said that <laughs> it feels good though it does feel good bit of a different vibe we weren't really planning necessarily on doing it but i think we came into the day with an open mind yeah i think that's the best way to put it what's changed well in short we're in a new location that's Correct. a bit different yeah. I, i've moved out from the bustling inner city or as we'll perhaps later find in our uh, comparisons of things alex has got some stuff planned the filth of the inner city <laughs> To the humble suburbs where things are a bit quieter, yeah, a bit more space. Of course, I'm a talking. A man can breathe. A out man here. can breathe out here. <laughs> I'm of course talking about the wonderful suburb of Hampton East, three one eight two. We're proud. We're not homeowners, but homeowner adjacent. Well said. Our exactly cities. right. Exactly right. I live with uh, two wonderful people who just bought this house. Yeah. Exciting times ahead for them. Yeah. Interest rates on the rise. Morale on the on the down, <laughs> dare I say. But anyway, we're here. Um, it's been eventful, but uh, I have to apologize because you sent me some voice memos, uh, yeah. dare I say, <laughs> at least a fortnight ago. Yeah. Um, it was like, there was like 10 of them. I listened to the first one. I was really I, on a roll. Oh, did you listen to the first one? I think I listened to the first one or the first two. Like, I think you... you had like the pretense and then yeah. the, you read the blurb. Yeah. And like, <laughs> well, this was getting into, like this is the day essentially I was having meetings about my redundancy. Yeah. So I was like, I haven't got the strength. Perhaps it would have given me more strength, but I was like, I can't like pay attention. Yeah, one thing at a time. You know, I can't pay attention to this properly. And like, I feel like I really need to sit down. And I feel like, well, honestly, I've gotten the upgrade version. Like in, you know, like when you, um, True. it's like I've gone to buy a car or something. You've held out. I've held out and yeah. like, we've been pretty quiet on the matter. Yeah, and now I'll they're, come like, back. <laughs> they're itching. Yeah. The car salesman's itching, and as a result, <laughs> he's come back with an even better offer. He's willing to do it in person, and yeah. better yet, record it on high fidelity sound. <laughs> yeah, much better than the voices. That is funny though, because I'm always an advocate for reading things out to you. Because so often I'm reading something, and I'm just like, I want you to hear this. You need to hear this, and I need you to hear this. That's like but me. I don't want to just start reading to you when we're trying to do something else. But man, <laughs> this is me with like. Just all, all throughout my life, like with just with gags in general, yeah. Or just any time you say something that's like slightly profound, like we talked about it earlier, when I felt yeah. like I really said something that was which was good. And I'm oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I wish Alex was here to hear it. Yeah. I don't care how intimate the setting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. He deserves. It's like if I could have like a direct link, like a wired link. Yeah. With like, and I'll just in my room, I'll I'll put like <laughs> a nice 4K camera, and um some sound so like you can always just tap in and sort of see what's going on you know what i mean yeah so yeah, you can yeah. catch those little nuggets yeah at any time you yeah. want and you can you can time stamp and you can tell me when they were yeah 100 you just scroll through do we, before we introduce the, the new segment called alex reads <laughs> yeah i was just wondering <laughs> it's like, also like we get it mate you can fucking read 
fucking sick of you. Yeah, yeah, it's funny when like you quote someone else and someone's like, oh, well, that was fucking pretentious. And I'm like, well, I would have been being pretentious if I tried to say it myself. Like, it's the opposite of that. If I'm just like, oh, it's very humble. I've, got, I've got this idea. Honestly, this guy said it better. <laughs> he wrote a whole book about it. I'll just, I'll just read it out to you. Yeah, I'll probably be asking a lot of a lot of questions as well. I wonder, um, I wonder what like the copyright laws are. To be honest, yeah. Well, why don't we say that? Let's just change the names up a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so the book we're reading is yeah, the, is the suitable, <laughs> the Crucible. Oh yeah, it's the Cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> the Cauldron. What yeah. even is a Crucible? I actually don't know. It's like a big pot that you can mix things yeah, on. Fuck! I hope that's right. I should. We should have looked up. Why do you? Why do you ask me a question? I didn't know the I answer. Know. To that. I've no. never, I've never actually watched much of the Joe Rogan it's like a podcast. Big yeah, but I have seen like little clips, and there is someone there that who's like seemingly their job is to look things up on the internet. Yeah, Jamie looked that up. Yeah, yeah. Jamie looked that up. Where do we get ourselves a Jamie? Honestly, we could probably employ one. And my first thought went to Mounty's little brother. His name's Jamie. Well, yeah, but then like the one younger than him, because I'm like, oh, he's probably like 15. I'm like, I feel like he'd sit in this room for like 20, 20 bucks an hour. And that's nothing for us. You know, that's true, 10 it's bucks everything for him. And he gets to hang out with a couple of older boys and he feels exactly like he's right. a part of a podcast. Yeah, and what's better than a young boy hanging out with some older boys? 100%. And as I will, we pay him. 100% as we pay him. And because we're paying him, he's an employee. And if he takes his job seriously, you'll do what he's told. 100%. But also there's big options in, you know, involved as well. Yeah. Stock options and whatnot. <laughs> it, it, it can <laughs> work out really well. Because, I mean, you watch yeah. this space. Because, you know, it could be worth a couple hundred bucks. We should start selling it. Do you, today, do you want to do one of them fake ads? One of them fake ads? You yeah. know how you've been like, oh, we should it's do true. like fake ads in the show. We should. We'll, we will uh, do it for the brisket. Yeah, true. We'll spitball it. I don't know how it'll pan out. Yeah, I don't know how any of this will pan out. Um, I wouldn't mind more editing. Oh, sorry, I moved my hand on the mic. I am conscious to the listeners that I think like it might be a bit more echoey than usual. We're in a new room. Oh, uh, yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things, like I was, uh, I was wondering, and I'm, I'm never quite sure, right? Do you want to address the issue first? Yeah. It might now be playing in their mind whilst they're listening. Because I see this often on like yeah. YouTube videos where and they say, to it you know, like, you know, asterisks at the bottom, sorry for the poor footage yeah. quality, you know what I mean? I but hadn't I mean, noticed, but now I sure do. Yeah, and you're sort of like, oh, is it really... I get it, right? When you're in the editing suite or what it is, like, you're doing it, like you know that you had to change yeah. from your, your, you know, your 4K to your iPhone or something. But yeah. it's sort of like, honestly, as long as the story's consistent, like I feel like for the most part, it doesn't really impact. Like, as you said, like, I didn't really notice it. At, at the very least, I didn't really care. Yeah. Like, you've, you've got me enticed enough that it's not really impacting my enjoyment yeah. or consumption of this. If you're a real fan. Also, if anything, an echo just makes things a little bit more profound. It'll suit the tone of today's show. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Let's get into it. <laughs> Let me just read vast tracks of uh, The Crucible. So, I love just reading the blurb. Vinny and I have this gag where... You know, we'll be because we'll be spending ages in a bookshop, like looking at books, but mm. only like buying like one or two. Yeah, and we'll just pick like things off the shelf and be like, "Have you read this?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I have." And like, "Oh, what do you think of it?" And then you just read like the big brain bit from the blurb, and I'm like, "Honestly, I thought it was a classic parable of mass hysteria that <laughs> drew a ch- chilling parallel between the Salem witch hunt of 1692 and the McCarthyism, which gripped America in the 50s." And you're like, "Oh yeah, I did think that." Well said. Yeah, because often you're like, you know, again, it's that thing. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what I thought of the book because. How many people have been paid to write this really great blurb? Yeah. Anyway. But on that thing as well, just before you start, like yeah. I remember when we, um, the thing, I started listening to audiobooks like whilst I was overseas. Yeah. And I like, found it to be like pretty good. Like I enjoyed it. Like, yeah. However you can get them in. It's a bit like fucking, 
when a guy's like, I don't eat any vegetables. Is it wrong to just blend them up and drink them? It's like, well, it's fucking better than not having them at all, isn't 100%. it? 100%. There's a whole market of products for that. The Nutribullet and whatnot. Yeah. And that's what you're doing with books. With like, I'm not saying like there's a hierarchy, like that reading's better than listening, but like I just think you should be getting them into you and yeah. whatever's going to work for you. 100%. It's more so like writing is the best way to actually form the idea oh, as, okay. a, as a method of like, or well, one of them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like when you write it, like... Often we're talking. You got to polish it when you're writing. It need, yeah, you can really yeah. polish it and you can structure it. You see it all there and you can get your point yeah. across like really well. It's refined. It's like an overhead squat. You'll find yeah. any weak points. Like mm-hmm. honestly, like this podcast is pretty low down <laughs> when it comes to like polish. Ability, yeah, polish and like the ability yeah. to like get a very concise thing. It's raw though. It's primal. Exactly right. It is primal. <laughs> and I feel like we have good listeners. Good listeners that like come along for the journey, want to want to see how things pan out. Well, they'll have to. Oh, we'll sever there. We'll exactly. sever our relationship with them. And to bring it back, just because I wanted to say this before, is when we work together, you'd often you like, and I, you and oh, I, one of the best, you know, one of the big booming startups of twenty twenty one. Fast forward. Oh no, we use the term work very generously. <laughs> yeah. we, we were employed at the same place. We were employed at the same place, but I remember often like uh, you'd, you, so you'd find like these really good relevant nuggets, relevant to what. It just felt relevant. You know what I mean? Like, it's those things where it's yeah. like, oh, this is important for us to know. Yeah. And, like, you'd send it through. And then um, the best bits was, like, when, when we cracked on or, like, when I was like, man, it's just, I want your editorial of it. Uh, like, yeah. I remember when we, we were in, like, a room with, like, the BCG guys or something. Yeah. And, um, you know, these, these consultant goons that came in to, like, oh, yeah. try try build up some slide deck or something yeah. or other. Literally forgotten. And, like... Um, there was like this one bit and they're like, wow, man, that's such a great quote. Like, where do you find it? It's like, well, no, it's like, you know, more so like, and he's like, oh, yeah, I don't really want you to edit it. His version's literally better. Like, it says yeah. exactly what you wanted to say. I think that's the thing with this. What I miss in audiobooks is sometimes I'll be listening and I'll be like, honestly, I sort of get what you're doing there. But I feel like if someone really like walked this out, they could do a better job. And I feel like I'd get more from it if I had like, dare I say, like the director's cut or like, you know, the, the, the over voice where they yeah, have like... Cool. Like the commentary. I want commentary on the book too. Like, it would be great if you had two tracks. Like, imagine stereo or something. Yeah, one left ear, one right ear. Just <laughs> yeah, over each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Well, you can, like, you know, sw- maybe it's more binary. Like, you literally, it's a switch on and off. Like, you yeah. can continue the book, but this time it's talking. It's like augmented reality. Like, yeah. you hit a button to show more. Exactly right. That's a, that's a really interesting point, right? Because augmented reality is something that's pretty present in visual things. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I, I can zoom in. I can yeah, do. I, with like the rest the of the link. fucking world, now watches a lot of F1, right? Yeah. And you can see, like, they're trying lots of stuff with their, um, what do you call it? Like their, their broadcast. Yeah. Where like now, you know, I'll be driving, it's the live feet footage, but like, you know, all of a sudden, you know how, how where you're watching footy and like yeah. post game, they oh, circle they the, the players yeah, and you yeah, see the trajectory yeah. of the ball. Like they're doing that in real time. Yeah, that's cool. So you see all that and it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. I don't necessarily know what the full value add is, but like, you know, they're doing it and it's in the visual sense. It's a brave new world. We don't know where it's going to end up. Well, yeah, but when it comes to pure audio, I don't really know how much augmented reality. I mean, I guess you have audio effects and whatnot, so you could bundle them in there as well. But like we're talking about really adding value to the actual digesting of like yeah. what you're hearing. It's tricky because like it's not as easy to interact with an audio track. Mm. Like if yeah. you're doing something visual, you can hover your cursor over. That's true. Like what's the equivalent to that when you're listening? You know, iPods have got the little like double tap to skip, but we haven't really cracked that nut. Like, yeah. But yeah, I think that would be a really interesting thing. Like if you could, I don't know, if a guy with a different voice explaining it to you. 100%. Or like questions for the reader. Like if you're, almost like if you're in a in a school and a teacher was teaching it to you, you know, you'd read and then stop and be like, now we're going to think about these questions. That's really interesting. <clears throat> I mean, like to throw back, because I was thinking of like an augmented reality type thing now. When Big Bird died in Sesame Street, 
they actually started like they had Wait, enough. Wait, did Big Bird die? Yeah. Oh. The character didn't, but the actor did, or like the puppet, mm-hmm. fucking mega. Or maybe there Hooper? was a Mr. Hooper. Yeah, I think so. So like Big Bird's best friend died. Or are you telling me the actual? Well, the the person whoever did the voice for Big Bird, yeah, they died. Okay. And like they weren't sure what to do. Like, do they end the character? Like, yeah, pretty main character of Sesame Street. Yeah. Or do they get someone to do like a pretty close job? In the end, they actually um. Like they had enough footage of all this time and voice recording, <laughs> so they actually just like were able to piece just continue in perpetuity. Yeah, exactly right. From beyond the grave. Yeah, and I'm like, well, that's interesting. Like, imagine if you had enough audio footage from someone who wrote the book. I'm um, not audio. Yeah, audio footage yeah. Uh, recordings that you could actually like stitch together and they could read their own book, like in that sense. Or better yet, like I don't know. This really comes to like we we hinted at the concept of authenticity. Yeah, it's like the person's dead. And you're like, you're letting them say stuff and they're not necessarily consenting. It's like, no, nah, he said these words. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but not in that order. <laughs> like, all of a sudden he becomes like, you know, those recordings are in the wrong hand. Like, you know, he could be the head of some, you know, right wing militia. Have you heard those <laughs> He's great with kids. You know? <laughs> he really connects with them. Those things where like, it'll be a video clip from a movie. And then, like, they change certain words. And I'm like, how do they do that? Is that, like, someone, a good impersonator who's, like, impersonated True. over those words? Or are they using some sort of audio deepfake technology? Yeah, I wonder. Because I feel like the deepfakes could be the answer here. Like, if you can do it with images, like surely you can visual things, surely you can feed enough audio into someone that can say, this is what someone would sound like as they say this thing. Yeah, that's really interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Because, like, I mean, God knows even though we do rudimentary like sound editing, like trying to snip and like move bits around to like make it sound authentic yeah. or like when we cut like some undisclosed redacted material from this podcast, like yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot of work to make it sound normal. Clean. And that's even when that's only us talking, like we have, yeah. it's our voices and whatnot. Anyway, that's interesting. Maybe it is more prevalent, prevalent, prevalent than we realize. I just wonder about like the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the signatures that we leave behind mm. now, like, because people leave such a such a wealth of creation behind they wouldn't in the past right like sure guys had paintings or drawings or like whatever like the creative output of their lives were but now with so much more stuff being documented coupled with how much more powerful digital technologies fucking algorithms and stuff are i wonder what they'll be able to do with that stuff in the future that's true i mean like bring me back to life if you're an artist you're like you like in a sense you're curating what stuff is documented of you Whereas now, like, th- uh, we, yeah, we don't really actually have the consent or, like, we're not choosing true. to leave a pathway or to leave a legacy. Like, that legacy yeah. is just being collected in real time and, like, whoever opts to present it in whatever way they want, like, that's yeah. that's up to them. Like, you hear the scan in your face when you walk into Coles and Bunnings and stuff now. Really? Do you know that? Yeah, and they're saving it to, to a big database. Your facial recognition cameras there to know if you, you know, like, had an incident at the store or if you wanted for stealing stuff. That's fucked. And you just know that they're, like... You know that they're measuring you it's at Bunnings, and therefore they'll yeah. use the same data for Coles. It's just like, well, where does yeah. it end? Like, when when are they just going to sell that? Because I don't, I never signed up to that as I walked no, in. No, it's right? just a little A4 piece of paper that says you're being. Normally, you know, you're used to it just saying you're being recorded in here, and you're like, great. Yeah. But now it's fucking, you. Know, it's being stored and it's being processed by facial recognition yeah. algorithms. It's just crazy, right? Like back in the day, even before COVID, I remember when people were really hesitant to accept digital signatures when I worked in the public oh, service, yeah, like yeah, they didn't yeah. want to accept digital signatures because usually everything was done by hand and you yeah, do this process yeah. and that was legitimate to make sure that that person was signing off. Yeah. Now, it feels like everything is so 
laissez-faire, whatever the term yeah. is, like with digital signatures, that now seemingly a piece of A4 printed paper saying that you're being recorded and you're just walking into the store now counts as essentially a, dig- a digital signature or consent. Yeah, that's interesting. That The barrier for consent is a lot lower and a lot less rigorous yeah. than it used to be. It's interesting. Well, I the, like another one of my concerns with that is, yeah, for now it's being used for like whatever law enforcement or store enforcement mm. but it's like it's a matter of time before it's just like yeah we matched up your preferences people who look like this like to buy these things oh yeah <laughs> going back to the good old days of measuring skull <laughs> sizes <Exactly right. laughs> predicting crimes yeah I, I don't know where it ends up anyway look i'm sorry to take that on a bit of a it sort of works in with this with the crucible if anything my very vague understanding of the text sure sure i just want to get this on record like guys this is sort of like manipulating visual information google amyloid plaques fraud so i just saw this last night and i haven't really done that much research but so the big thing in alzheimer's research for like the last 15 years or 20 years or so has been like amyloid plaques in the brain these like build up of proteins uh, correlated with alzheimer's symptoms and it seems like the big paper that started that off and is, you know, now the subject and the cause for of some few billion dollars of Alzheimer's funding, you know, they're following these potential therapies, blah, 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 blah. It's like the original results, like fabricated, genuinely photoshopped. Like photoshopped? Yeah. There's some neuroscience imaging guys like reverse process them and be like, there's indications of photoshopping. Yeah. And it's got billions of funding down the line yeah and it's just funny again going back to covid like people were fucking it was that like popular like pseudo sort of pseudo intellectual opinion where you could say it without having a super deep understanding a bit like how i say a lot of things we'd be like oh big farmers like corrupt and people would just sort of agree with mm. you and then like everyone went from fucking hating big farmer and being ultra suspicious of it to being like oh no they hold the cure yeah because all of a sudden a you, you can s- you can say something so like casually right yeah. But it's now supported by it's what the experts say. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's the experts. And like you said it today, like you're not necessarily an expert. You have credentials. Yeah. But like being an expert would require a long track record of proven results. And like for the most part, I mean, if we look at like modeling companies or something, what do they really have to show for like what track record, track record do they really leave? Yeah. With for en- like whether you actually suffer any consequences if you get things wrong yeah exactly right anyway that's interesting i mean even no, go on. like uh the whole concept of msg being bad also yeah. branched from someone with credentials but a yeah. seeming expert a doctor yeah saying that msg was bad and when you look back at it it was based off the fact that his friends would yeah. go out and eat chinese food and the common thread was well chinese food's got msg in it yeah therefore msg is bad and makes people sick and you shouldn't have it yeah Whereas, like, just pretty ludicrous. I mean, if you look at, like, diets and countries that have... I haven't really thought about this, but, like, that have a lot of MSG in their food. Yeah. Asian countries, Japan, China, yeah. things like that. They also have, like, pretty high life expectancy. Yeah. As in, well, they have a lot of really old people, if that makes sense. Because, yeah. um, I, I mean, like, uh, uh, en masse. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't know what China's life expectancy is, but I'm sure there's... a lot of old <laughs> Asian people around. I feel I like that's good enough. But I just remember, like, being in, like, in primary school, like, when you're learning... Well, I had the Guinness Book of Records. Yeah, and it was this old Japanese person. Yeah, it's like, What's the secret? Guy, and it's like it? I don't know. Have fun. Yeah, I eat a lot of fish as well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like oh well, something there. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this one is just so circular because 
you're just kind of never going to convince people if you're like you need to trust your own experiences more and like mm. listen l- l- believe in the construct like the world as it's constructed by other people less yeah like there's nothing you can really ever say to those people because if you're just like yeah you know people have been under the influence of mass hysteria before and then like people will agree with that and it's like well how can we say for certain that it's not happening now like it's kind of a leap of faith either way and no, 100%. It's like, oh, if your thought or your actions or your experience seems to be an outlier from what, like, you're being told is yeah. the, the mass thing, it's like, well, if it's consistently seemingly an outlier, it might yeah. just be that, like, your environment, your circumstances are just different. Yeah. And therefore, like, maybe that mass general opinion doesn't apply to you as much. Like, yeah. that's okay. What I can't get over is just, like, what to me is a pretty non-radical opinion. Like, just try to avoid telling other people what to do. Yeah. One, because you shouldn't tell other people what to do too because like you could be wrong like yeah just acknowledge that there's a, there's a possibility that you could be wrong but like that to most people that's like no what do you mean you can tell people what to do i think it's just inculcated in people like they just go from environments where they're told what to do so they think that's the natural state it's like schools were only invented like a hundred years ago it's 100 percent. that's why people love laws you know what i mean because it's not necessarily about right or wrong but it yeah. seems to them like it's right but it's so well established as this is what is what is yeah that therefore you can tell them you can't do that because that's a law not because yeah. it's right like there's no circ- like looking at well what does the circumstance say or yeah actually think about it do you think it's right yeah. that i do this <laughs> yeah and like laws have never been wrong <laughs> yeah like are you serious like, yeah just think about it 100 percent. you say that and you're probably p- picketing about a law right now you know what i mean it's, like, it's not right that's a yeah yeah i don't know man I, it's one of those ones like I'm just as time goes on I'm just more and more alienated from people but like not for want of telling them what to do but yeah for, you know telling them like not joining in with other people telling people what to do yeah live and let live man well anyway. said well said I'm just gonna read from the blurb here of the crucible so I said the classic parable of mass hysteria draws a chilling parallel between the Salem witch hunt of 1692 one of the strangest and most awful chapters in human history, and the McCarthyism which gripped America in the 1950s. The story of how the small community of Salem is stirred into madness by superstition, paranoia and malice, culminating in a violent climax, is a savage attack on the evils of mindless persecution and the terrifying power of false accusations. I mean, I feel that's relevant in a couple of ways. Like, one, we sort of spoke about the COVID backgrounds, but two, like... I don't know when people listen to this, but we're not that far out of the Depp Heard trial. Like, the idea of false accusations mm. being a really bad thing and, like, a really serious crime, I don't know, I feel like that was lost for a little while. Thoughts? Man, it takes me back to the thing I remember, and I think I've tried, like, bringing this up again with you a few times, but, like, in Roman, I think you mentioned it recently, uh, yeah, in yeah. Roman times, it was, like, such, like... Calumny. Like, calumny yeah and yeah. i feel like I, have, I think i have the wrong word but sycophant i think that came from the greek same thing it was someone that would give false accusations against someone if it wasn't sycophant it may have been something else i think sycophant is wrong yeah sycophant's wrong sycophant means someone who like just agrees with you and tells you the right thing they our listeners could accuse us of being sycophants for each other <laughs> um but yeah let's let's go with like calumny or whatever the word whatever is. the word is but yeah, I think back in time, it was one of those things that just, it's too damaging, right? Pe- like yeah. the whole world revolves around 
the one concept, which is trust. Like we assume the base level that what you say and what you do is truthful. Like yeah. that's the only reason that we can actually converse and agree and do things, right? Because we just assume that person is telling me the truth. Yeah. So much weight. Therefore, like so much weight is put on what you say. And like once you start abusing that, the fact that there is so much inherent trust in the way that we communicate and we live and operate, then all of a sudden, like very quickly, life turns into chaos and civilization, you can yeah. see, like just deteriorates. I mean, like have a look, like, you know, regardless of who was right or who was wrong or whatever you thought of like that Amber Heard case, for example, yeah. there's no talk, like the fact of the matter is like you look at it and that is just not like a great result of like the human condition in any, in, in any form. Like it's a deterioration of like how people behave and interact. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real perversion. Things should not be like that. Anyway, should I just go ahead and read some bits from here? I love it. Keep going. I guess like the segment is like, this was born from me trying to convince Michael to read this book. So that's how you can kind of think of this segment. So this little excerpt comes from before the play even starts. It's a page called A Note on the Historical Accuracy of This Play. I just want to read this bit. However, I believe that the reader will discover here the essential nature of one of the strangest and most awful chapters in human history. I mean, there's there's a play in a nutshell. Like, because when whack, whack shit happens, like whatever it is, mm. people always look back and be like, oh, how did that happen? Like, I think like, and the, and the, the word that I found like the most the reason I think that little snippet works so well yeah is like the word strangest and I think like yeah. when, when you talk about like you you started like how this is a bit of a like you can see how this mirrors like obviously the same witch hunts which is what yeah. it's intended to do so but then also the like the recent COVID stuff or the ongoing COVID stuff yeah yeah and it was originally written about Hunt for Communists in yeah America. McCarthyism that's yeah. right yeah like y- you just look at it objectively like sort of once the dust has settled a little bit more and you look back I mean like, I feel like we were talking about this like when we were living together yeah it just doesn't it just seems weird like you wouldn't write about this like how did we end up like this yeah it just seems strange yeah yeah exactly right and unimaginable i think we spoke about it before like unimaginable things are so until they happen and then very quickly after go back to being unimaginable like a, a month before lockdown the idea of a curfew would have been unimaginable yeah. and then just a few months after curfew you're like oh remember when we had a curfew and people are like oh i'd already like blocked that out of my memory yeah it's just like a thing like when you think like it didn't seem like this is the most fucked thing ever it was more so like i just can't believe this is happening yeah like, and like i felt like i was going insane yeah like this just doesn't make sense like yeah. it doesn't track i don't understand how we went from what we were before to now this and this is what's happening yeah i think i spoke about it as well in the context of like some family tensions that we're having like you can realize you know you and me can realize when you're in a situation where reason has ceased to be the coin of the realm like reason has ceased to prevail yeah and like we've hit that flashpoint the first dominoes fall and like it's just chaos how do you like how do you unscramble that omelette honestly like i think once you're in a, you find yourself in a position where like a reason is no longer prevailing 
like people are not being objective you just get the fuck out of there yeah man i think then it becomes like in a sailing term like you just want to get through the storm you don't even care necessarily how you get it you get this you've accepted that the boat's damaged like you just want to be able to make it to the other side like reasonably unscathed like it's like well look maybe the relationship or the family never ever gets back to where it was before in fact it probably won't but yeah. like at this stage the more you keep trying to like resurrect it and to fix it, it's like you're actually just yeah. scrambling or it more and more. to you're people's real. sense of reason. Yeah, it's it just doesn't like feel any good that. anymore. It's like done. it doesn't matter whether you're right. It doesn't matter whether the memories that people are yeah. recounting can be factually shown to be false through Absolutely. photographic records. <laughs> like it literally doesn't matter. You have to look forward and be like, okay, like given to where we are now, like what's the sort of best relationship we can yeah. actually salvage? Like what can we actually salvage that we can work with? Yeah. Sounds you know? harsh, but it's like you don't bother talking to a dog. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, it don't tell that reason. to my mum. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like, if like you got a rabbit dog, like, I don't know, it's like a Pandora's box thing, but it's just yeah. like, man can only triumph over chaos to, like, such an extent. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to fucking lock yourself in the room or try and compress the dog into a box. I've been there before. Mm. So this, I've got a couple of pages here. This is... I guess it outlines what we're talking about. How does it happen? And here it outlines the genesis of the mass hysteria that will prove the town's undoing. So it's about the necessity of social control, like why it was once necessary, which is kind of interesting because like a lot of these things you just think, well, that's just fucking like mm. dysfunctional straight off the bat. But like any dysfunctional behavior that someone adopts was at some point functional. Like... Uh, 100% you know if you're like oh this guy's got PTSD he just fucking clams up and like whenever he hears a fucking microwave bing or whatever it's like yeah but you know it's dysfunctional now because the war's over but Jesus during the war it kept him alive 100% and this is what I think we even talk about like like older institutions or like I don't know like the concept of marriage it's yeah. like you might look at it now and be like it just seems so wacky and whatnot. it's like yeah, yeah. but at the same time like there was a reason that it was created no everyone who was alive before me was an idiot yeah and the same with like religion it's like, yeah. it's so dumb and it's like, well, it's like there's a reason we added. And yeah. like in the same way that you look at like, you know, we have laws created by the government, yeah. like you had another way of living created by yeah, like a religion. Like, look, not to delve into it too much, but yeah, I mean like just because it's old doesn't mean it's stupid. Like, yes, it can be outdated contextually, but yeah. like at the same time, like the core reasoning is probably there because I'd say that for most people, like the concept of religion might seem outdated, but spirituality, which is really the cornerstone of it, yeah. is thriving more than ever like you talk about mental health and whatnot and and, and mindfulness like yeah the this non-materialistic things which can't be seen people are obsessed with that yeah, it's the same thing mental health is fucking religion we're telling people there's chemical imbalance in their brain like yeah and i was like i can't see the chemicals Can, have you ever seen a molecule have you <laughs> fucking seen serotonin turns out it's fucking not like i mean i guess what people would sort of it became a shorthand way of saying like it seems like this problem is more than psychological. It's more than me just trying to think my way out of it. Yeah. And that very well may be true, but I mean, it's not also just like fucking a, a pill or science has all the fucking solutions. It's kind of funny because then I'm like, oh, it's not, I was telling people, I'm like, you know, it's actually not a chemical imbalance. You know, science can sometimes be wrong. Mm. And then they're like, well, what is it? And I'm like, are you seriously asking me what causes <laughs> depression? <laughs> you retarded? Like, yeah, they've been like, working on it for like 5,000 years. Probably longer. Like, it's part of the human condition. It's just really interesting because I feel like um, there have been a number of civilizations that have like yeah. been thrived and ended. Right? Oh, yeah, 100%. And like, 
a lot of the things. And the they same, didn't like, think it was ending like you know while they're in it. Like, what do you mean we're going to be fucking harvesting grain and sacrificing virgins for the next ten million years? <laughs> and like, I've, but I feel like as well, like there's just the same things exist. And when I say like, I'm not talking like the same things like, oh, you know my car breaks down but yeah. i'm talking about the concept like for example like if it's difficult to travel somewhere like inherent issues there or like the issues yeah. of being like having a bond or supporting a child or like yeah. you know w- whatever it is like the same core issues like spirituality or whatever yeah. have always existed right yeah and i feel like if you looked back and you're better at being like well no religion is stupid but like mindfulness is elite mm. you're not going to be able to look at you know spirituality or like religions in the past and say well look mindfulness is on like a track to where religions have failed yeah. perhaps i need to adopt the way i'm thinking about this so i can have like a more sustainable life yeah it's yeah. like no it's different therefore it's all new and i can start i can think of things from first principles and it's like well look you don't have to think yeah, from first principles before, right? it's been done before yeah. and you can grab it and you can mold it and you can shape it yeah and like honestly i get guilty of this all the time with stuff where i like i try to you do think things you come up with like a truly novel idea yeah and like yeah. a lot of the time like i'm aware that especially like as i've been getting older and like when i like w- when i was working yeah like all of the time you'd have an idea and you're like well i, I really wanted the idea to be mine like I True. thought the value yeah. was in the idea yeah. until like I later learned that the value is not in the idea. The value is in the execution and the delivery yeah. and like whether or not someone else has had the idea actually doesn't really matter. What really matters is the fact that, well, like if you think you've had a great idea for a business or for like a funny bit, if you haven't heard it, like it isn't the world's most popular thing. Like yeah. someone hasn't delivered it perfectly. Like there's still more to make and more to gain on it. And that's where I think everyone falls short. Certainly my weakness in the sense that like, I don't necessarily follow it all the way through. I'm always yeah. willing to try. No shortage of ideas. Yeah. But like, if you say, well, Michael, like go back and like, what if you really, like really polished and delivered like from yeah. A to B? And it's like, I'm sure I could give you a list of things, but like it's minuscule compared to the ideas and the things that I've yeah. started. It's the same with, with anything. Like you just got to be, it's, it's harsh. Like you have the idea. And even with myself, like, I have a chip on my shoulder or like you can see with other people as well. It's a common thread where I have an idea for for a solution. Like, yeah. oh, so we use the one with Dan, for example, like a water drainage problem. Yeah. I said, why don't you get a water tank? Yeah. In his mind, he, he already went, why don't I bypass the sewer? And then, yeah. so he's like, that's the idea. And I thought that was a really good idea and I'm really emotionally connected or whatever it is to your initial idea for a solution as opposed to being like, you know, whether the, the alternative idea was better to being like, oh, okay, the idea of fixing the water like the water drainage problem is a brilliant idea. Yeah. Like, cause otherwise you're going to have ongoing issues. Yeah. Right. How you go about it. And if that's like what your first thought was, is sort of irrelevant. Like what really matters is that water drains and it does so efficiently. And like, you really have to distance yourself from your own ideas at times because otherwise it's just going to drag you down and you'll just end up like, whether well, there is another failed startup who is just, yeah. no, we have to stay honest to our original, you know, idea or constitution. Yeah. It's like, you've only been around for two years. How could you possibly know, like, what your core is? You don't know. Yeah. You know? You need more rigor and to be way more self-aware and, like... More objective and self-critical. Yeah, exactly right. Just take an honest honest look at yourself and just... It's hard. I mean, everyone's got blind spots, right? Absolutely. Anyway. Um, Yeah. I'm just gonna... This is kind of unrelated, but, like, it would be a travesty if we don't get this on fucking tape i've had this idea i'm like if you can't pass the ash uh line length test the suggestibility test you shouldn't vote 
So there's this like psychological experiment. Also, a footnote to that: most psychological experiments are just bunk them. Like, try to repeat them. There's a repeatability crisis in academia. Like, figure it out, guys. Anyway, but let's let's. This one I like, so I've decided it's true. <laughs> That's how it works, man. Um, but actually, this one, this, this is like I only—it's true if like I I can observe it. If I can like hear about <laughs> it in ancient Greece, I'm like, oh yeah, that's true. That's true to the human condition. That so like they get a bunch of people in a room and like they're pretty much all plants, except for one person. So that one person is the actual subject of the experiment, and the task is you have to s- decide which line is longer. You know, they draw two lines. They show you flash up images of two lines on a projector, and you know, at the start all the crowd like calls out like the correct line They're like that one's taller that one's shorter blah 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 and then eventually like they start getting the crowd to like say like oh no that one's longer and so then people are like no but i can plainly see that this one's shorter mm. but then they're like oh no actually yeah okay i see what people are saying yeah that one is longer and so like a, a line that they know is clearly shorter than the other line i'll say because everyone else is saying it like oh yeah that one is longer it's like if you can't stay true to what you know to be true, like and withstand social pressure to do so, yeah, you shouldn't vote. You'll just be fucking influenced by the mob. Anyway, that's my idea. That's the only test for democracy there should be. Not age, not anything else. Just that. I love that. All right. So this is from the start of Act One. Yep. Yeah, just fucking less than a page in. This is going to be like a couple of pages reading. Is that okay? What do we reckon? Yes. Great. No one can really know what their lives were like. They had no novelists and would not have permitted anyone to read a novel if one were handy. Their creed forbade anything too resembling a theatre or vain enjoyment. They did not celebrate Christmas and a holiday from work meant only that they must concentrate even more upon prayer. Which is not to say that nothing broke into this strict and sombre way of life. When a new farmhouse was built, friends assembled to raise a roof, and there would be a special foods cooked and some potent cider passed around. There was a good supply of never-do-wells in Salem, who dallied at the shovel board in Bridget Bishop's tavern. Probably more than the creed, hard work kept the morals of the place from spoiling, for the people were forced to fight the land like heroes for every grain of corn and no man had very much time for fooling around. That there were some jokers, however, is indicated by the practice of appointing a two-man patrol whose duty was to walk forth in the time of God's worship to take notice of such as either lie about the meeting house without attending to the word and ordinances, or that lie at home or in the fields without giving good account thereof, and to take the names of such persons, and to present them in the magistrates, whereby they may be accordingly proceeded against. This predilection for minding other people's business was time-honoured among the people of Salem, and it undoubtedly created many of the suspicions which were to feed the coming madness. It was also, in my opinion, one of the things that a John Proctor would rebel against, for the time of the armed camp had almost passed, and since the country was reasonably, although not wholly, safe, the old disciplines were beginning to rankle. But, as in all such matters, the issue was not clear-cut, for danger was still a possibility, and in unity still lay the best promise of safety. The edge of the wilderness was close by. The American continent stretched endlessly west, 
and it was full of mystery for them. It stood dark and threatening over their shoulders night and day, for out of it Indian tribes marauded from time to time, and Reverend Paris had parishioners who had lost relatives to these heathen. The parochial snobbery of these people was partly responsible for their failure to convert the Indians. Probably they also preferred to take land from heathens rather than from fellow Christians. At any rate, very few Indians were converted, and the Salem folk believed that the virgin forest was the devil's last preserve, his home base, and the citadel of his final stand. To the best of their knowledge, the American forest was the last place on earth that was not paying homage to God. For these reasons, among others, they carried about an air of innate resistance, even of persecution. Their fathers had, of course, been persecuted in England. So now they and their church found it necessary to deny any other sect its freedom, lest their new Jerusalem be defiled and corrupted by wrong ways and deceitful ideas. They believed, in short, that they held in their steady hands the candle that would light the world. We have inherited this belief, and it has helped and hurt us. It helped them with the discipline it gave them. They were a dedicated folk, by and large, and they had to be to survive the life they had chosen or been born into in this country. The proof of their belief's value to them may be taken from the opposite character of that first Jamestown settlement, farther south in Virginia. Virginia. The Englishmen who landed there were motivated mainly by a hunt for profit. They had thought to pick off the wealth of the new country and then return rich to England. They were a band of individualists and and a much more ingratiating group than the Massachusetts men. But Virginia destroyed them. Massachusetts tried to kill off the Puritans, but they combined. They set up a communal society, which, in the beginning, was a little more than an armed camp with an autocratic and very devoted leadership. It was, however, an autocracy by consent, for they were united from top to bottom by a commonly held ideology whose perpetuation was the reason and justification for all their sufferings. So their self-denial, their purposefulness, their suspicion of all vain pursuits, their hard-handed justice, were altogether perfect instruments for the conquest of this space so antagonistic to man. But the people of Salem in 1692 were not quite the dedicated folk that arrived on the Mayflower. A vast differentiation had taken place, and in their own time, a revolution had unseated the royal government, had substituted a junta which was at this moment in power. The times, to their eyes, must have been out of joint, and to the common folk must have seemed as insoluble and complicated as ours do today. It is not hard to see how easily many could have been led to believe that the time of confusion had been brought upon them by deep and darkling forces. No hint of such speculation appears on the court record, but social disorder in any age breeds such mystical mystical suspicions, and when, as in Salem, Wonders are brought forth from below the social surface. It is too much to expect people to hold back very long from laying on the victims with all the force of their frustrations. The Salem tragedy, which is about to begin in these pages, developed from a paradox. It is a paradox in whose grip we still live, and there is no prospect yet that we will discover its resolution. 
Simply, it was this. For good purposes, even high purposes, the people of Salem developed a theocracy, a combine of state and religious power whose function was to keep the community together and to prevent any kind of disunity that might open it to destruction by material or ideological enemies. It was forged for a necessary purpose and accomplished that purpose. But all organisation is and must be grounded on the idea of exclusion and prohibition, just as two objects cannot occupy the same space. Evidently, the time came in New England when the repressions of order were heavier than seemed warranted by the dangers against which the order was organised. The witch hunt was a perverse manifestation of the panic which set in among all classes when the balance began to turn towards greater individual freedom. When one rises above the individual villainy displayed, one can only pity them all, just as we shall be pitied some day. But it is still impossible for man to organise his social life without repressions, and the balance is yet to be struck between order and freedom. The witch hunt was not, however, a mere repression. It was, also, and as importantly, a long overdue opportunity for everyone so inclined to express publicly his guilt and sins under the cover of accusations against the victims. It suddenly became possible and patriotic and holy for a man to say that Martha Corey had come into his bedroom at night and that while his wife was sleeping at his side, Martha had laid herself down on his chest and nearly suffocated him. Of course, it was her spirit only, but his satisfaction at confessing himself was no lighter than it if had been Martha herself. One could not ordinarily speak such things in public. Long-held hatreds of neighbours could now be openly expressed and vengeance taken, despite the Bible's charitable injunctions. Landlust, which had been expressed before by constant bickering over boundaries and deeds, could now be elevated to the arena of morality. One could cry witch against one's neighbour and feel perfectly justified in the bargain. Old scores could be settled on a plane of heavenly combat between Lucifer and the Lord. Suspicions and the envy of the miserable toward the happy could and did burst out in the general revenge. Well, I think it's like, um, first of all, like a fair bit to unpack. But at the same time, like honestly, I feel like uh, one of the reasons I struggle with reading is like there is just so there's like bringing the thoughts in alignment yeah. is tricky. But yep. like the thing that I did notice that kept on popping up is that like a way of life or a framework for living is created like really out of at first like dignity, uh, not necessity and like goodness. Like, yeah, you have to do this because otherwise we won't survive. Yeah. And also this creates a good or a better life for yeah. us. Right. And then it doesn't take much for like once that's established and like people know the rules of the game and like the way of life is solid. Yeah. Then it doesn't take much for like people's, I don't want to say like sins, but like the human nature of wanting more or doing more or just like the little evil that's inside people. Yeah. Manipulating that system that which was originally created for something good and necessary. Yeah into something to like to that later point like be a, a, a means of making their lives personally better or them yeah. feeling better or overall having just more control over what they do like it no longer becomes like everyone working together yeah. it's like now that everyone works together 
I want to better myself because before you couldn't live on your own. Like yeah. you needed everyone. Whereas once you have a, like a well enough built up society, you don't need anyone. Yeah. Well, you don't think you need anyone. True, true. It's just become so solid that like... It's about me. Bit of me time. Yeah, yeah like for me, I yeah. think... I mean, like I just get so used to me living in a house that I don't need anyone else to live. Like I can just yeah. be totally off the grid. It's like, well, people built that house yeah. and people paid for that house and, you know people create all the food that comes to me yeah. like all of that has become so assumed all you can see is the restrictions the yeah restrictions exactly right but now people are holding me back and i it's now up to me if yeah. i want to get anywhere in life it's it's about pulling people down yeah it's about whatever it takes yeah right. that's very good well because i don't have to use any other energy for trying to find food or build yeah. a house or anything like this i haven't had to work as hard as i either used to or that everyone else before me yeah. has worked it's all just you know that's 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 what I think. Yeah, and you can see the repressive elements of yeah. the law and order. Yeah. And that kind of fires up some sort of anger or frustration in you. And perversely, you're still believing at the same time that these things are good. And you think, well, if they're good and they're oppressing me, then I can use them to repress other people. And that's still goodness. Yeah. And people yeah. love doing bad things under the guise of goodness. And like I haven't, I haven't read the book, obviously, as we know. Perfect. But like y- you know, I'm getting this idea, like the things that are sort of planted, like as the there's always like a single source of truth which people believe the word of, like yeah, you know, unequivocally or something. Whether that's you know maybe the priest at the start or whoever's like yeah. the word of God, like it comes through me and only me. Yeah. Or is it you know the person who's in charge of law and order and you know the judge or the policeman whoever that is in that township or is it the person in charge of like the anti-Americanism yeah you know panel you know ripping yeah, people to yeah. shreds the or communist commission or what have you yeah exactly right or yeah. is it you know the the <laughs> the chief health officer or something yeah, that yeah. all of a sudden we have to believe absolutely and everything they yeah. say just it is law it is the word of God. Yeah. Even though, like, in different states, if you look at it, like, well, they have differing opinions or across the yeah. world, like, there are differing opinions. It's like, well, no, it's because their one isn't our one. Yeah. Our one is right. Our one is good. Yeah. <laughs> like, they like, can't all be right. Yeah. Someone's got to be wrong. Exactly. Right. Us. It's like, thing, like, I've mentioned a few times, like, my, one of my favorite photographers, like, that Platon guy. Yeah. He's Greek, but um, that's besides the point. But anyway, when he was younger and, you know, in his um, 20s, he got bashed, like, just pretty brutally. And he was in hospital yeah. crying, just like, why me? Why me? And this old woman who was, like, obviously also quite sick next to him in the bed said, um, well, in the bed next to him, that way, messing yeah, yeah, together. Yeah. Said, why not you? You know, it's that thing is, like, why can't you be wrong? I mean, yeah. like, if... It does happen to people. You are a person. Ergo. Exactly right. It's, like, could happen to you. It's got to be someone. Mm. I'm intrigued. Dare I say, if at the very least, even if we did stop here, I'm not saying that we do. There's so yeah. much more I want to unpack or like hear, hear you read. So I was also like, to be honest, why read the book? I'm getting like the curated selection like, and I feel like you're yeah. like, you're helping me get through it. And it's, it's better than just a generic curated selection because this is curated specifically for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Dare I say that you should all find yourself an Alex, pay him a good wage. <laughs> imagine this is a service yeah it's like you just in i mean alex you did tutoring yep as like a as a gig tutor wonder many wonderful young minds exactly right and i'm like we joked about it but also seriously yeah like you should be tutoring me 
Yeah. But then also, like, I also look back at the podcast experience and in many ways, you have been tutoring me. <laughs> like, all the time, like, we're being together, I'm learning. Yeah, we shape each other. One hand washes the other, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, this is a great way to, 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 to read a book. Mm. I don't, but number one, I can close my eyes. Yeah, the yeah. thing I hate most about reading is to simply Moving having them eyes. open. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, right. True. And then also I feel like it's better to have someone to sound off, like at least for me, because yeah, honestly, it's just a lot of shit. Like number one, I feel like reading takes me a lot of energy. Like yeah. to, re- to read, it strains me. Yeah. And then on top of that, I, f- I feel like I, you know, I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. I might have a lot of ideas, but yeah. like to actually be able to like slow down and maybe stop reading and actually just like trying to piece together the ideas and looking at it. like yeah. a lot of the time I don't think I'm really doing justice to the author yeah because I don't actually give it enough time and like properly sit down and like map it out or, or just like actually really think about it yeah and, and and like what it is they were trying to do or try to say what was that book that I was thinking of where you read like two pages of it and I'm like honestly you got you got most you got more out of that than most people who read the entire book I can't remember something where you were just you just read like a couple of pages and just like ideas were just popping off. What was it? I thought of it the other day. Cracked me off. But it's also true. But I don't remember what book it was. There's not many books I've read cover to cover. Uh, why would you? This one you literally read, I reckon it was like first and second page. And then we just had just great ideas. Maybe it was that book about cities that I was reading. <laughs> and I read just like a page out loud to you. I think that's actually a thing as well. Like also when it comes to like the first two pages of the book, this oh, is obviously a well-written book. I'm like, yeah. it's the prologue. You know what I mean? What, yeah. what do they call it in ballet? Or like the overture. It's the yeah. overture. Like you've gotten all the bits, all the little snippets that tell the story yeah. are in there. I've got the high level understanding. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably get like, I'll get a bunch of it from just the, the overture. Yeah, you know, exactly right. <laughs> like if the song starts off like super happy and then gets super intense and then really sad, like and Perfect. you I sort of know a couple of yeah. characters, you can sort of put two and two together. I don't need to see it in that high level of granularity because you know, two weeks after you read the book, it is just going to be like, yeah, it was a parable. Dare it's I say, mysterious. it's sort of like um, to to take this back to when I was at this startup, like we have yeah. we have these sensors that can like measure things at super high levels of fidelity, yeah. right? Yeah. But like the computers can only take in so much information yeah. at a time. I feel like I'm the the restricted computer. Yeah. Like someone has put in yeah. a huge amount of work. Like it's That's really too, up, up it's too many words. Their life up until this point is this was, book, is, is, yeah. is that book, right? Yeah. And they've written something that's obviously pretty incredible. Yeah. But me, I can actually only take in so much. Yeah. Like that's the bottleneck. I'm the bottleneck. Yeah. So it's like, well, I could read the whole book, but I like I I'm guaranteed to not be reading the whole book no matter what. Cover to cover. I mean, like even we talk about like a recent, relatively recent book, like in the last two years yeah. that I've actually read cover to cover, The Old Man and the Sea. Oh, I read all of that, but like I didn't absorb all of it. Like a lot of it, I just read and just didn't choose to think about purely because. It's just a lot going up in there. <laughs> you don't understand. I've got long. I've got um. What is it? I've got pre-long COVID. Early onset COVID brain. <laughs> Early onset COVID. Oh, man. Well, do you want to hear another curated bit just for you? Because the protagonist here is a man called John Proctor. I think he's an interesting character. Please, go on. So here's the introduction of John Proctor. A few pages later. Proctor was a farmer in his middle 30s. He need not have been a partisan of any faction in the town but there is evidence to suggest that he had a sharp and biting way with hypocrites. 
who is the kind of man, powerful of body, even tempted, and not easily led, who cannot refuse support to partisans without drawing their deepest resentment. In Proctor's presence, a fool felt his foolishness instantly, and a Proctor is always marked for calumny, therefore. But as we shall see, the steady manner he displays does not spring from an untroubled soul. He is a sinner, a sinner not only against the moral fashion of the time, but against his own vision of decent contact, conduct. These people had no ritual for the washing away of sins. It is another trait we inherited from them, and it has helped us to discipline us, as well as to breed hypocrisy among us. Proctor, respected and even feared in Salem, has come to regard himself as a kind of fraud. But no hint of this yet has appeared on the surface, and as he enters from the crowded parlour below, it is a man in his prime we see, with a quiet confidence and an unexpressed, hidden force. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Do you want to tell you a bit more about him? Yeah, actually, I'll, I, I want you to... So, as it goes it on, more. it turns out he's had an affair with this 17-year-old uh, who is the one levelling accusations of witchcraft against all these people. Yeah. She's basically just a fucking... In my mind, I'm like, this character only works if it's, like, really hot. Do you yeah. know what I mean? We're just like, well, how can this young woman just say all these like crazy things and just ruin everyone's life? Like, she's probably just really hot. I'm like, oh yeah, that instantly makes sense to me. Mm. Um, but yeah, then, you know, she's like, we had something special, John. And he's like, because he's got a wife. He's like, no, we fucking didn't. Like, it was just a big dumb mistake. Like, that was, she was like, and she's like, no, it means something. And then he like uses a line. It's like a deal as between a stallion and a mare. It's like, <laughs> what would like fucking anything human? Like animals fucking... And then, anyway, this woman, this is a bit of a, of a spoiler. Go for it. But she levels an accusation against John Proctor's wife. Mm. And John Proctor's like, he's trying, this young woman, like, she's fucking hysterical and she's 17. She thinks, like, she can break up my marriage and then we'll live happily ever after. It's like, it's not going to happen. Because, you know, he still loves his wife. He just made this terrible mistake. Yeah. His wife knows it. I don't know. I think he's a compelling character for a guy who's like, has made a sin and there's no way to really atone for it and he just fucking torments himself. That's the thing. Like, it's it's an interesting concept, right? Because I was watching that show, um, Bojack Horseman. I'm not sure if you're familiar yeah, with it. Yeah, or yeah. I'm sure some of the listeners have probably seen it. Yeah. But, like, you know, the main character, Bojack, is like this tortured soul. He's, you know, a drug addict, alcoholic. You know, he's done all these bad things, mistakes, and, like, to, to cover up the suffering, he just keeps drinking and keeps doing drugs. Yeah. And this episode I watched yesterday, he basically says, like, you know, I know it doesn't track well with like public opinion or what it, whatever it is, but like, I'd argue that the person suffering most from all my actions is me. Yeah. Like, I'm the one who has to live with them every single day. I'm the one who has to keep going. Like, I can't atone for my sins. There's nothing that's actually going to give me like a sweet relief. Like, there's nothing actually yeah. make me feel better about it because I inherently think it's wrong. And the thing that's worst about it is, you know, it was a 10 second decision or a 30 second decision yeah. to, to do that thing. Yeah. It's done, and I did it, and I can't undo it. And yeah. like, what? That, that's the thing with whatever it is. Like, you know, trust or whatever has been diluted or disintegrated, and like, it's pretty hard to bring it back. And like, for for a lot of times, like, you for someone else, it just probably didn't necessarily mean anything. Mm. Like the actions that you did, like, it can be pretty harmless. It's it's often just looking at yourself, and like to that point, 
that they said in that thing like john proctor is a man who like you know did sins or like against the law at the time but also yeah. to what he believed was right like it's the fact that you did something wrong and you know it was wrong mm. right and you either one are trying to think well why did i do it because you know i'm trying to remember did i do it because i didn't care because i know it's wrong right yeah did I think it was wrong? Was I justifying it to myself that it was mm. like right at the time? Or it was okay? Did I just choose to ignore that? All of which are like dangerous scenarios because you're thinking, well, fuck, what am I capable of next? Like, I mean, if I can't stick to what I honestly believe in as yeah. any set of morals, like what sort of a man am I? Yeah. What person am I? Like, I can't trust myself, yeah. right? If I'm going to keep catching myself in these delusions or yeah. these acts of, you know, wrong, uh, I don't know, it's a tricky one. But it is. I mean, like, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting concept, though. The idea of, like, the person perpetrating the crimes I- in many ways, like, yeah. hey, why, why do you think prison exists? Like, the you know, the ultimate punishment is essentially just locking you away and you're having a long, hard fucking think <laughs> about it. Yeah. It's like, is there anything worse? Like, I'd do anything to take my mind off it. Like, think about how mundane it is. Yeah. You've got nothing else to do except to really dwell and think about your mistakes. Yeah. And, like, yeah i don't know like no i think it's it's a good point you make about like prisons yeah i suppose they serve three functions protection of the community deterrence and rehabilitation but i think jumping back to that earlier thing you said about um i, I just don't think society has found a way or people have found a way to understand and reconcile how they deal with someone who is both victim and perpetrator yeah like you think of someone who killed themselves mm. Like, I don't know, people kind of anger at them because, like, he killed someone yeah, himself. Or, yeah, someone who commits a bad crime and is, like, racked with guilt afterwards. Yeah. Or, you know, bringing it back to, like, hurt and depths, like, you know, where people's like, oh, neither person was, like, you know, maybe both people were at fault in some regard. Yeah. I don't know. Like, people don't... It's complicated when it's, when it's not clear-cut like that. And I guess that's the whole fucking point of The Crucible is, like... A lot of the time, people like to be really, really certain of themselves. Yeah. And so it's, like, confusing to them when they can't be really certain and just, like, crack down on one person. Yeah, man. Well said. Do you want to hear one last little bit? Hit me. It's about... What have I got on this little post-it note here? Diabolism. So, like, diabolical, meaning, like, of the devil, like Diablo. And, like... I guess it can mean devil worship, but here it really means creation of a devil, like an instantiation or reification of all the bad things. You know, like if you got you gotta you gotta put all the bad things onto one thing and make it that thing, and mm. just be like, this is the devil, like or like this is you know, fuck, we can bring back to COVID again and be like, this is the the wrong thing to do. All of these things, like this is what should be avoided. Mm. This one thing. When we see the steady and methodical inculcation into humanity of the idea of man's worthlessness until redeemed, the necessity of the devil may become evident as a weapon, a weapon designed and used time and time again in every age to whip men into a surrender to a particular church or church state. Our difficulty in believing the, for want of a better word, political inspiration of the devil 
is due in great part to the fact that he is called up and damned, not only by our social antagonists, but by our own side, whatever it may be. The Catholic Church, through its Inquisition, is famous for cultivating Lucifer as the arch-fiend, but the Church's enemies relied no less upon the old boy to keep the human mind enthralled. Martin Luther was himself accused of alliance with hell, and he, in turn, accused his enemies. To complicate matters further, he believed that he had had contact with the devil and had argued theology with him. I am not surprised at this, for at my own university, a professor of history, a Lutheran, by the way, used to assemble his graduate students, draw the shades, and commune in the classroom with Erasmus. He was never, to my knowledge, officially scoffed at for this, the reason being that the university officials, like most of us, are the children of a history which still sucks at the devil's teats. At this writing, only England has held back before the temptations of contemporary diabolism. In the countries of the communist ideology, all resistance of any import is linked to the totally malign capitalist succubi, and in America, any man who is not reactionary in his views is open to the charge of alliance with the red hell. Political opposition, thereby, is given an inhumane overlay, which then justifies the abrogation of all normally applied customs of civilised intercourse. A political policy is equated with moral right, and opposition to it with diabolical malevolence. Once such an equation is effectively made, society becomes a conjury of plots and counterplots, and the main role of government changes from that of the arbiter to that of the scourge of God. The results of this process are no different now from what they ever were, except sometimes in the degree of cruelty inflicted and not always even in that department. Normally, the actions and deeds of a man were all that society felt com comfortable in judging. The secret intent of an action was left to the ministers, priests and rabbis to deal with. When diabolism rises, however, actions are the least important manifests of the true nature of a man. The devil, as Reverend Hale said, is a wily one, and, until an hour before he fell, even God thought him beautiful in heaven. The analogy, however, seems to falter when one considers that, while there were no witches then, there are communists and capitalists now, and in each camp there is certain proof that spies of each side are at work undermining the other. But this is a snobbish objection, and not at all warranted by the facts. I have no doubt that people were communing with, and even worshipping, the devil in Salem, and if the whole truth could be known in this case, as it is in others, we should discover a regular and conventionalised propitiation of the dark spirit. You can sort of see, like, why, um, like, it's this sort of last resort, or like when, like, we talk about when reason fails fails like you can't really argue anymore so yeah. like from a government's point of view or any power when like reason sort of fails from getting what you want yeah you can see like resorting to diabolism becomes yeah. like the next the next logical step jesus christ we'll edit that out i apologize for this seemingly did the wave pop up that loud no, i don't think so for for those wondering i had a phone call and seemingly routed directly to my brain yeah exactly right 
but like uh, to, to try to go back to my point yeah i think like you can see how it's like when you're getting frustrated without when when reason isn't cutting through you say well fuck it i'll go to something that isn't reason or whatever yeah to be diabolical yeah and just focus on that and just saying but basically like you know this is this is the evil yeah you know covid is the evil like the devil is yeah. the devil and like, you are a bad person there the world is now divided into those who are good and those who are bad exactly right because you're either like a vaxxer or an anti-vaxxer yeah or you know what i mean you're either like a, a mask or an anti-mask yeah it's not like you can just be i don't know i don't really like it so yeah, much yeah. or you can't really have an opinion you're, you're on one side or the other you are either good or evil yeah so simple that i make it that's why it's so divisive and even like in the things that are fate like we talked about this when like they they propose statements like doesn't matter if you're from um uh what's it uh oh doesn't matter if you're Brighton or Broadmeadows, right? Yeah. All of this together. But inherently, that's divisive, right? Yeah. It is supposed to be. And, like, that's that thing where you're thinking everyone's against each other. And yeah. The, the only way you can be together is if we all just say COVID's the best thing. Yeah. I mean, sorry, our responses to COVID are the best thing, right? Yeah. It's just creating something that is, like, another another evil, something that we can all fight towards. I feel like it's, it's like something that, in general, like, people, it sort of touches on it, like, in the opening bit yeah people that worked and they like to work people in general like to work mm. on something and yeah. when you've like got nothing more to do because you've created a society that's like more self-functioning yeah what's next like well you want to fight something and whether that's yeah. going for a greater good like a yeah. war if you talk about like oh let's go and find the holy lands yeah yeah or if it's let's fight this evil like communism same sort of climate thing. change climate change it doesn't matter what it is and like doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on but like it's yeah. it's a matter of good versus evil and this is a cause that yeah. needs to be fought as opposed to well hey did you ever just think about trying to just make your family life a little bit better yeah. I don't know, just be a bit more insular with your thoughts and just yeah. insular in your actions. Like we talk about like society or like y you and I would say, you know, when people say, oh, what's your culture? Or like, what's your culture, your background? Yeah. And like we'd often joke, but also very seriously, like, oh, my culture was like 15 Eltham Street, Flemington. Yeah. My family, like, because there we did quirky things. Like in yeah, your family, yeah. you ate jumpies. Yeah, we love and jumpies. In my family, like we had two minute noodles with no flavoring, but like Best. that was my culture. And like yeah. that has shaped me more than perhaps like the Australian National Anthem is shaped yeah. or anything like that. Like that's had a much greater impact on my life yeah. than anything else. So like to round it up, I actually don't even know. I've, I've lost my train of thought. But I th no, I think you, you're right. The people get lost in a greater fight that seems to take place at a cosmic scale rather than actually acknowledging that the things that are going to make the biggest impact on their life probably happen at a very small scale. And that's kind of boring when you're not animating yourself into a fight between good and evil. But rather just like, oh, I've just got to do this little job. It comes like, it's actually something like I read Ethan Hawke said recently. Like yeah. he, he went and he's doing like a Marvel TV show. And like uh, yeah. he really wasn't sure if he should do it. And he was yeah. like recounting because like he's had a really good career and like a lot of his stuff's a bit more outhouse or at least more thought provoking yeah. than than like what is you know blockbuster money grabbing stuff like yeah it's entertainment by yeah. all means but it's not necessarily what he's been doing in the past or what he wants to be doing in the future yeah and um he said yeah at the end of the day like i was having a chat with my like my family about yeah. if i should accept the role and like he recently did a like a documentary on paul newman oh, and, and like his t 11 year old daughter was like oh what would paul newman do and he like thought about it. It's like, a great question. We should all ask ourselves more often. <laughs> yeah, he'd put food on the table, like, he'd and he did come up like, with the salad thing. You know, yeah, it's just like at the end of the day, it's like, well, 
like this is my job and yeah. doing this sort of a thing makes my family's life like better yeah. and it also gives me more freedom in the future mm. and like I think what I'm trying to come to is like when you talk about battles to fight like if your battle to fight there was like I want to be anti like pure entertainment and like yeah. you know unrefined cinema but it's like well let's look on like maybe reduce your scope a little bit for the battles you're trying to fight you got a family like yeah I'm sure you're well off but like it can be better and like you can do things there that are going to make a more meaningful impact to a few people than mm. when you dilute it by a couple hundred million people that are going to absorb that other film yeah like the fact of the matter is when your cause becomes so like wide like wide sweeping you sort yeah. of think that's going to have a massive impact but like on an indiv- individual level like to someone yeah. like we often ask ourselves after an election yeah it seemed like a lot of things were changing it was a massive thing between you know a massive difference between the two yeah. but how much has my life really changed or like yeah. and from what has changed how much of that is really due to like any change in leadership yeah. the answer is most of the time not much yeah keep yeah, it simple know. it's just look after your family go to school legit though like just focus yeah I, I don't know it's look after yourself man it's like we talk about it when okay this sounds pretty cold but I'll say it like when, when you're looking at people, you know, junkies or homeless people, yeah. and you're sort of like, well, I mean, like, what can I, homeless is a stretch because there's a lot of things that can like, yeah. be white homeless, but like junkies, for example, like, how can I really help you when it's just evident that I really don't think you can help yourself? Yeah. Like, anything I do, like, reason's not going to prevail here. Like, me yeah. giving you 20, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Might as well throw it in the bin. This is not going to make a difference. Like, you're yeah. going to be here in a week or two weeks' time, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Tricky. Well... I don't know. I just want to fucking like, like it's pretty clear that our opinion is that the COVID response was an example of mass hysteria, yeah, on a global scale. And I think time will show it to be if we can look at it objectively rather than turning shamefacedly away from it. I think time will show it to be a really great policy failure. And I'm not saying like at the time it was all easy and we knew what to do, but like there were definitely like it's a rewrite of history to say there weren't dissenting voices there were like intelligent people who early on were like oh I don't know if this is the right way forward I mean fuck I'm gonna keep going on about it Sweden carved their own path they were happy to do their own thing yeah I I even remember in like Q&A early on like an economist was saying I'm not really sure we're looking at the whole picture here yeah legit and they just got absolutely ripped to shreds yeah like to be honest putting a price on human lives that's a thing what do you think we do every day if you see someone publicly burnt at the stake do you really feel like going down that path yourself like it seems clear that like people have made up their mind as to what they thought the battle worth fighting was yeah and you know is it really worth doing yeah I don't know it is like it's an interesting problem in the book like how do, how do you do the right thing in a situation yeah. like that how, how do you maintain your dignity and stay true to yourself it's interesting right because I never read The Crucible but I did read The Don't Life have now. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Life of Galileo oh, and I haven't read it like, that's a play by Bertolt Brecht and I remember yeah. in class um, a lot of people were like referencing oh it's sort of like The Crucible yeah. the teacher would say if you've read The Crucible I never read it I think like for some reason, seemingly some kids like we went to the same damn school. Yeah, some I don't kids remember did it in literature. Yeah, yeah, I think that was right. I didn't yeah. do that, and um, to like to draw it to Bertolt Brecht, I remember yeah. writing a piece, and I, my interpretation was essentially so the comparison he he was drawing is like it's the McCarthy era, but he's saying yeah. look at the life of Galileo. Yeah, same thing. 
a person that was standing up and saying, look, I don't actually think the world is flat. Yeah. I think it's round. You know, this it doesn't rotate around the sun e- or what e- have you. Exactly yeah. right, which was against the church being the power then. Yeah. And then, you know, we know that pans out. But I think the point I'm trying to make is... Uh, and then, then, like, my perspective was Bertolt Brecht, just like Galileo, like, ran away from it. And I said, he, and my thought was, well, he's a coward. Like, if he really believed in it, both mm. Brecht and Galileo... You'd die for it? You'd die for it. I mean, otherwise, it doesn't... Like, your word hasn't got as much weight now i look back at it now and i think it was like a pretty extreme view yeah but at the same time like yeah i also actually think that i mean what can you do like you're thinking i could die for it but for for what yeah exactly right it's like i'd just be dying for the sake of like being 100 percent like true to myself yeah and it's like well what do i have there like what's the battle you really want to fight here that you're right or you know living or doing something else like so yeah, maybe he wasn't a coward. Like if you're running away from something, because Bertolt Brett, I think, ran away from, well, a number of things. Because like, he also ran away from, I think, the Second World War. Oh, okay. Because he was a Jew, and I think, in Germany. I don't know. Pretty fucked. Yeah, interesting. How long have we been going for here? Yeah. An hour and 15, I'd say. It's, it's wrapped up a lot. I mean, I've had a lot of thoughts churning around in this crucible itself. This, yeah, this well podcast said. episode. Dare I say, we've got brisket in the oven have a little snack I'm pretty hungry got a little snack time's getting away from us I just want to implore the readers to go out and grab a copy of Arthur Miller's The Crucible and just have a good hard think just one page at a time yeah well said well let's wrap it up there it's good to be back guys